From Unpacked, I'm Rivki Stern, and you're listening to This Week Unpacked. Thank you to the Jewish Federation of Greater Rochester for sponsoring this week's episode. If you too are interested in sponsoring future episodes, send us a message at podcast at jewishunpacked.com. Before we begin, I want to acknowledge Ellie Kay, a 26-year-old who was killed by a terrorist in Jerusalem yesterday. Ellie was a South African who made Aliyah by himself, served in the army, and was murdered on his way to morning prayers at the Kotel. Hamas has claimed responsibility for the murder. I didn't know Ellie, but probably like many listening, I have connections to him. And he seemed like a really special person. May his memory be for a blessing. Budgeting, taxes, accounting. God, I, just hearing myself say that I'm falling asleep. So I don't blame you if you're super uninterested. But if you're willing, stick with me because I think it's actually more interesting than we give it credit for. You learn a lot about who a person is by looking at how they spend their money. Their spending choices show their needs, their priorities, and their passions. For instance, to speak a little personally here, the line item on my budget for toys for my puppy would make you judge me hard. And the same could be said for governments and for a country's budget. Some countries focus more on education and put more money there. Some on defense, some on drug research, some on infrastructure. Like, for example, did you know Tel Aviv is getting a subway? With the announcement of the passing of Israel's first budget in three years, we're curious, does crunching the numbers give us a better understanding of where the country is heading? And I want to get meta for a second, because you could really be asking, budgets? Is this really worth talking about? Let's talk more about Hamas, about Sheikh Jarrah, about the real story of the conflict. But here at This Week Unpacked, we want to push back against that narrative. The conflict is part of Israel, yeah, of course, but it shouldn't define Israel. If you want to understand Israel, which we do, then this is a really important way to do that. But before even getting into the nuts and bolts of the budget, I want to just say it feels like a small miracle that the budget even passed. Prime Minister Naftali Bennett's government is a hodgepodge of political parties that have little in common with one another ideologically. So passing this budget was no easy feat. In fact, if it hadn't passed, the coalition would have fallen apart, leading to the fifth Israeli elections since 2019. But it did pass. Yay! This week, we'll unpack which reforms and priorities the government pushed forward and what certain subtle choices of the Israeli government reveal about their priorities. Weiter, let's get into it. Here are the four big changes in the budget, which we're going to discuss in this week's episode. One, kashrut reform. Two, spending for Arab communities. Three, diaspora relations. And four, military spending. So first up, a massive reform of Israel's kosher certification industry. See, up until now, the entire industry has been controlled by one central force, the Israeli chief rabbinate. But now the budget calls for the establishment of local, private kosher certification agencies. They'll still be required to uphold the same kosher standards that have been established by the chief rabbinate, but this move is intended to increase competition and decrease alleged corruption that's currently already in the system. In the general public, the reaction has been divided. The rabbinate supporters are expressing concern for the change, that maybe the standards are actually going to drop and we can't trust the kashrut anymore. Others frame the change as a needed economic move, arguing that it will make kashrut certification less expensive and therefore actually more restaurants can get kosher certification. Responding to the reforms, United Torah Judaism member of Knesset Uri Maklev said, quote, This is a dark day. 
kosher consumers will have no trust or confidence in kosher certification. We are now just beginning the war. We will reach out to every child in this country to inform him that your kashrut is a total fake. Yulia Malinovsky, who heads the Knesset committee that approved the reform bill, was obviously thrilled with the decision. Quote, we've led a revolution. We will streamline the kashrut system in Israel, reduce costs, lower the cost of living, and do good for business owners who have until now paid a high price for a kashrut certificate. So that's kashrut reform. Next up, increased spending for Arab communities in Israel. Arab communities will receive 30 billion shekels, which is just under $10 billion, for community and infrastructure improvements over the next five years. This makes good on a promise that Naftali Bennett made to Mansour Abbas, a key coalition partner and leader of the Islamist Ram Party. At a news conference, Abbas said, quote, There is a new agenda for Israel and Arab society. We are taking responsibility and initiative. Abbas also said that this budget will change the landscape of Israeli politics forever, saying that from now on, it will be natural for Arab parties to be in the governing coalitions, a huge change from only a few years ago. Separately, the budget also includes $804 million to fight crime and increase access to health care in Arab communities. Hundreds of millions of dollars will also be spent on programs that include Hebrew language immersion, integrating Arab citizens into the technology sector, and unemployment counseling. All pretty exciting things. For more in-depth reading on Bennett's Arab initiatives, check out our previous coverage on JewishUnpacked.com. Of course, we'll include the link in the show notes. So we have Kashrut and Arab neighborhoods. And third, the funding for diaspora relations was doubled in the new budget. Doubled, highlighting Israel's sense of urgency in trying to reach out to Jews outside of Israel. When this line item was first announced, Diaspora Affairs Minister Nachman Shai told the Jerusalem Post that they anticipate in the near future, quote, a drastic rise in anti-Semitism, manifestations of extremism among American Jews, and knowledge gaps in relation to Israel. All of these are a warning light that must not be ignored. So what does he propose to do about it? Quote, we will lay out long-term infrastructure plans in Israel and in the diaspora to correct the problems and to deal with the challenges that will arrive on our doorstep. And the fourth big-ticket item in the budget? It's military spending, which has the IDF leadership breathing a huge sigh of relief. Because according to the Jerusalem Post, without a budget for the last three years, quote, Israel's military was unable to adequately stock up on munitions, carry out key defensive projects, or even upgrade basic infrastructure at bases around the country. The IDF got a 12% increase of its budget for 2022, bringing it to 58 billion shekel, or just about $20 billion. Defense Minister Benny Gantz said the increase was needed because the lack of budget all these years has damaged Israel's ability to act and, quote, our ability to have efficient communication and build up our forces in a more effective way. Kind of vague, but you hear what he's saying. Israeli media also speculated that the increase in military spending was due to the country preparing for a possible upcoming war with Iran. So those are the big four. But what are some other tidbits? Here are some interesting items and reforms that are buried in the details of the budget. Number one, the budget sets the groundwork for converting Tel Aviv's light rail system into a subway, which is super cool. The item is part of a 35 billion shekel, or $11 billion, national investment in mass transit, a figure that is double that of previous budgets. And to be honest, I don't care about the numbers, I'm just excited to write it. Number two, the budget calls for reforms of the nation's import taxes fascinating, a move that is expected to save Israelis an estimated 8 billion shekels per year. 
Number three, the budget calls for steep taxes on disposable plasticware, meaning Israelis will actually be paying a little bit more for takeout food if they opt for a non-eco-friendly container. This is all part of a huge green initiative that Israel's government is pushing forward, which includes subsidies for the renewable energy industry. And number four, the startup nation is doubling down on future tech. The budget calls for a national artificial intelligence plan, which will encourage the development of new technologies. And on top of these, there are also major banking reforms, an increase in wages and the retirement age, a national housing initiative, and reforms to the agricultural industry. All of these are exciting, but we couldn't get them all in. Finance Minister Avigdor Lieberman said, quote, it is the most social budget in the history of the country. So what's the bottom line? Well, the bottom line for me is that I need a hard freeze for buying more dog toys before my living room furniture is completely buried. But aside from that, I think the success of finally passing a budget is a major victory for Bennett's coalition. Remember, the coalition is composed of eight incredibly different political parties. It includes right-wing, centrist, left-wing parties, an Islamist party. Insane, insane. But as I was preparing for this podcast, I was thinking about this funny thought exercise. What if I were setting the budget? What would my priorities be? Security? Healthcare? Religion? What isn't there that I would add? Let me know what it would be for you. Email me at podcasts at jewishunpacked.com. Thanks for listening. This Week Unpacked is a production of Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. If you're listening but you haven't yet subscribed, you can do it now. Subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you haven't yet, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It'll take less than a minute. And I'll say it one more time. We want to hear from you. Email us, podcasts at jewishunpacked.com. Responding to listeners is my favorite part of the day. Research and writing for this episode was led by John Kunza, and the team includes Sarah Himmelis, Avi Posen, and Rob Perra. Noah Moisman is the executive producer of This Week Unpacked, and I'm your host, Rifki Stern. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.